0: You're listening to The Greatest Multifamily Investment Advice Show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to The Greatest Multifamily Advice Show. Today, we have Kyle Ford, an exceptional guest and real estate investor and mortgage broker out of Kitchener, Ontario whose careers focus on uh, real estate investing, private lending, and more than 20 properties around Ontario. How are you, Kyle? I'm
1: doing well, Adam. How are you?
0: Thanks a lot for uh, being with us today, and I appreciate taking the time.
1: Yeah, happy to be here and happy to uh, to get back and share my experiences.
0: Thanks a lot. Uh, Your experience on private lending side uh, as a mortgage broker, I think, was an edge to scale your business. But can we start with what was the motivation to say, I want to start real estate?
1: Yeah, so uh, a little bit of a background. I've been in financial services now for almost a decade. Uh, it'll be 10 years in the next month or two here. Um, I started off as an independent financial advisor. So I was working with major insurance companies, working in the traditional financial planning approach. Um, as an independent financial advisor, uh, that generally means you're working with a lot of people you know in the beginning, friends, family, and people around you. 100% the first thing I I saw with some of the most successful people I thought I knew at the time was their retirement plans weren't as concrete as I thought they were. They, they weren't doing as well as I thought they were. Hmm. And, but those that were doing really well, it was because of their real estate holdings that were really propelling them and giving them a better financial outlook for their retirement. So as a, as a wet behind the ears, 23 year olds, financial advisor learning everything i need to know uh it was it was eye-opening for me and, and that was the first time i really saw real estate as hey this this is something that is good for retirement planning so from there uh i i did buy a couple rental properties about a pre-construction condo and i bought a, a single family rental in woodstock um and those were doing okay for me but i was you know stuck as they say i didn't i didn't think i could buy anything else like that's all the money i had that's what i was doing
0: um, maximum three
1: properties march... what's
0: that always you start with a bank and bank to you uh after first three properties you're stuck
1: you're done you're done there's there's no more right and i was a financial advisor so i thought i, I knew my stuff
0: yeah.
1: um uh, so in march 2015 uh there was one of those radio radio ads um HGTV's superstar coming to your town um so i went to you know a real estate education program uh got involved with that And that allowed me to to, to kind of see that there's more to real estate than just the traditional buy a property, rent it out, get a mortgage from the bank. So between 2015 and 2018 is when I really, uh, scaled and started growing. Uh, I had over a dozen properties by the time, uh, January 1st, 2018 hit. Um, and I was uh, an interesting fact about myself is, uh, even the two properties that I bought before, um, Neither one of them required a mortgage from me. One was pre-construction and the other one I, I bought with my brother and he got the mortgage. Oh, okay. And up until 2018, I, or up, I didn't qualify for financing. I was self-employed. So even Correct. though the banks that already kind of cut us off, I didn't, I didn't qualify on my own either. So what I had to do is I had to learn to do creative financing techniques. So joint ventures, vendor take back mortgages, mm-hmm. um, and, and then private money. So In 2018, January 1st, 2018, it's a pretty significant date in the the mortgage world. That was the day the stress test came out. That was the day that the mortgage world changed forever. And a lot of brokers started running for the hills. I sold my financial planning business and started as an independent mortgage agent on that day. So I I saw opportunity when people were running. I went at it. A story I like to tell everybody about that is that... uh, a lot of mortgage brokers like to talk about how easy things were before twenty eighteen. Well, I don't know how easy they were before twenty eighteen. I only know how they are now. So let's not talk about how it was easy back in the day because that doesn't matter anymore. Correct. We only need to go with what we can do today. So in twenty eighteen, I became a mortgage agent, uh, really kept scaling my portfolio, got into bigger multifamily. Um what was into, the opportunity?
0: You just what's said it? What was the opportunity? You said that you find the opportunity where everyone was running. So what was the opportunity in European in opinion? The,
1: the, oppor- the, the opportunity was everybody else was running. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that was the opportunity. People <laughs> were leaving the industry. People yeah. were scared about mortgages. Correct. Um, the, the, brokers were, some of them were throwing their hands up and saying, well, I can't help anymore. Correct. So I figured there had to be, there had to be a way to do it. There's still a way to do this. It's just not going to be as easy as it was before. like I said, I didn't know how easy it was before. So I attacked it. I went at it, kept building, started building the mortgage business. Um, uh, Started doing larger multifamily. I've gotten pretty heavily into the cottage space uh, as well as land development. We're building uh, over 220 uh, new construction homes uh, and condos right now. Uh, I've built up the mortgage team as well. So I now have five agents producing under me. Uh, I, I try not to brag or boast but i i'm pretty proud in 2021 i finished in the top one percent nationally of mortgage brokers and mortgage alliance hmm. so and really that 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 success comes from the private lending side of the business correct we focus on on financing the deals that most banks and brokers can't do and from an investor perspective what that means is is the burr buildings, the ones with really low NOI in really rough condition that the banks don't generally want. Those are great deals for a private money lender. For If the investor is going to go in, increase the value of the property through strategic renovations, increase the NOI, now it's a clear exit strategy to pay back the private lending. So that's so you, a little bit about where I came from, what I, what I did, and, and where I am today. So yeah, happy, happy to share
0: that. I, I would like to open two subjects here. The first one, Kyle's uh, investor and Kyle's uh, private lending uh, advisor. So we can start with uh, your journey on, on multifamily uh, and how private money was a really uh, a big help for you. And if we can touch base on one of the biggest deal you did so far, and we can break, uh, break the numbers, so we can talk about it.
1: Yeah. So I, how I got into multifamily, I mentioned in March 2015 is when I took a, a real estate course. Mm. Um, and I won't. It doesn't matter which one I took. There's lots of great ones out there. The point is, is people need to get educated. Uh, they 100%. need to. They need. They need to learn about this stuff. And listening to podcasts like this is a great start. Uh, Correct. so that was the first time I really even like multifamily even dawned on me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I was looking for the sexier investments, a pre-construction condo. It's beautiful in a good area, like multifamily just didn't even hit me. And then all of a sudden, you know, they started talking about duplexes and triplexes and tenplexes, etc. et cetera. And the interesting thing is, uh, there's something in your brain and I, and I forget what this stands for, but it's called your RIS. And what that means is, you know, when you buy a new car and all of a sudden you see that everybody's got the same car and all you see it everywhere that that car exists. Correct. Well, coming out of that course, it was like that for me. Hmm. All of a sudden, I couldn't stop seeing apartment buildings and triplexes and, <laughs> and they were everywhere and I hmm. had never noticed them before. So uh, that's that's when I started. I started with triplexes. Um Purpose-built red brick triplexes in Kitchener. Uh, Hmm. At the time, the LRT was just uh, being approved and starting. Hmm. So I figured if I can buy close to that LRT line, I think I should do okay Hmm. near public transit, near the hospitals, those key investment indicators. Um, So I I started buying them. And you know, I mentioned now I'm building, you know, major construction, 220 new new builds. Where is um, this before? Like 230. Where is this? Um, uh, Those are in Hamilton, Ancaster, and Grand Bend. Oh, okay. Okay. So um, the in- so interesting thing about this, though, is I am completely useless in construction. I, 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 I can't swing a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a silky hands for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't swing a hammer. I can't use a drill. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not construction oriented. So when I started buying these triplexes, we were buying clean patch paint. Hmm. So things that just needed a coat of paint, a couple of new light fixtures. Maybe we hire a flooring company but like very basic stuff. And we were just cleaning them up, getting a little bit more rent, refinancing that classic burn. Hmm. So I bought, I bought several of those. Um, and then from there, I started, you know, seeing the economies of scale of doing more at one time. So around that early, late 2018 mark, uh, that's when I did my first big deal. There's a lot of uh, social media content out there. It was a 10 plex that I bought in Cambridge, Ontario, hmm. Um, it was ten townhomes. Um, I got that deal at the time for 1.3 million, so 130 per unit. Yeah, not bad. But the, the it was it was a great deal at the time. Yeah. But the NOI, the net operating income on that was awful. It was terrible. The cap rate was really low. Really low, and the income and the expenses. It was not professionally managed. Hmm. The building was in rough shape, hmm. so no banks and lenders wanted to touch it. So. The building was up for 1.5. Uh, I got a call from a realtor I work with. He said they'll take 1.3 if you can get it done quick. So I went in and I, I, how I, quick? I looked at it. Uh, so I had two weeks' condition. Two weeks' condition. Who was
0: able to? How? Who was able to close for you for in two weeks? On. on. So, so I had
1: two weeks' conditions. Yeah. So two weeks of conditions and a 45 day close.
0: Oh. Okay. So closing
1: in 45 days, but t- just to understand. Commercial financing is generally 30-day condition minimum, Yes. Yeah. just on the conditions, and then another 60 to 90 days to close. Correct. So they wanted it to be firmed up in two weeks. I had called one of the private lenders that I had just paid back on a flip that I was doing and said, you know, I have this deal that's coming. I have no money for down payment. I have no money for renovations, um, but I can get this building for a good deal, and I think it's worth a lot more when I'm done. So uh, I actually, and the, the the private lender Googled the property. They agreed with me that they thought it was good. I had a good track record with them. Um, they ended up lending me on that specific deal, 140% loan to value. So they let me 140. Totally 140% loan to value. Uh, I paid 12% interest on that money plus a 10% lender fee. So,
0: so 22%. 22%.
1: Wow. 22% on that money, 140%
0: loan. So 140% to like 1.3, you're talking about 1.7 million?
1: Uh, more than that. It was more like 2 million.
0: Whoa. Okay. What was the so security then, on this? Like, like on, on, first, on like the security.
1: Did... Yep. Yeah, first position mortgage plus a construction hold back. So they were holding back the money for okay. construction Okay. and my personal guarantee. And I, at that point I had over a dozen properties. Hmm. So there were, I had other assets at that point I had a good track record with them Correct. So they were in first position plus the, uh, they're holding back the construction money until I started doing the work
0: I'm just when and, you're saying when you're saying first position all of this properties you had it was uh, already uh, under mortgage or was just uh, was cash yeah oh, so, they,
1: they the oh, okay. pro- so they were first position on the 10plex oh okay and all the other so they were first position on the 10plex correct and then uh, holding back the construction draw. And then, yes, all my other properties had first mortgages on them. Yeah. But there was equity behind that. So my personal guarantee actually meant something. So they, is right it our
0: I, second position on the other properties or just uh, on the uh, loan to value part? LTV, LTV. They're,
1: they're, they're just first position on the 10-plex. Oh, okay. Okay. But And they weren't secured on anything else. Uh, that's not bad so it was it was was a great deal and but the total rate and fee equaled 22 percent and it was at the time it was very scary for me i never borrowed that much money i never paid that much in interest and fees um but i knew that the deal was good and i knew that that my numbers were concrete and numbers made sense Hmm. um so i the the i'll give you the the more brief version of this um i ended up being into that building with taxes interest fees, renovations, ab- approximately $2.7 million. Okay. I had predicted that the value of the building would be at the absolute worst case $3 million. In my opinion, the at, best at, case... At which cap
0: rate you did this?
1: So I, I I have to... I don't remember. Uh, I did it at... I, so I did three caps rate rates. And I might get this wrong here because I'm going off memory. But at hmm. $3 million was a 5% cap. Oh, okay. At 3.4 million was a 4.5% cap. Okay. And at 3.8 million was a 4 cap.
0: 4.5 will be more um, accurate with Cambridge. Uh, you said Cambridge, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Cambridge yep. so is okay. It was 4.5.
0: Uh,
1: yep. So like I said, the worst worst case, I was thinking I was going to get a 5 cap on it, which was 3 million. Yeah. Second, uh, next, you know, I was next my prediction was yeah, 3.4. Um, and then uh, 3.8 was my top end. So, how so long did it take to,
0: how you how long it take to to file to finalize the project?
1: Uh, it was a from we closed uh, in January and we were fully tenanted by April the following year, so about 15 months.
0: Not bad, great 10 units, Not bad. yeah, 10 units, and it was so, cash for keys.
1: Uh, so the, in that specific deal, uh, we did an N13 construction notice. Oh,
0: okay, N13. Okay. And then
1: we got, and then we negotiated cash for keys for people to sign off to not to, to not return. Oh, okay. So okay. just so it's said, this is something that can be sensitive in today's world. Um, I, I'm not actively in the business of cash for keys, hmm. um, but I am. It is it is part of the business, and it's something that we we need to do sometimes. Um, when I do these deals. I only do it on buildings that are completely dilapidated. Hmm, okay. This building was disgusting. The previous owner <laughs> was a slumlord. Yeah, the building needed major structural work, major plumbing, sewage, huh. everything, electrical, everything. So, Anything about uh, the
0: environmental on this on this on this area?
1: Environmental was clean. Environmental was clean. Oh, okay. So we, we were okay there. Oh, okay. So, uh, in, uh, when it was all said and done, I mentioned the range I predicted was between three and three point eight. Yes. I got an appraisal at $3.5 So right, Great. right in the middle of it So you got so, uh, uh, almost
0: 700, uh, $800K uh, refinance. Uh,
1: so I had $800,000 in equity. Uh, and uh, my correct. plan yeah. was to refine. Correct. The, the challenge that I ran into in the next year that it took me to refine. So sorry. What I did is I, I took a mick for lower money when it was done. So instead of being at 12% interest anymore, hmm. I dropped the rate down to seven. So I got I got a MIC for a year.
0: So who was giving you the seven? Again, private lending or, uh, or CHMC? So that's what's called
1: a, a MIC, which is a mortgage investment corporation. Oh, okay. So that's like an institutionalized private lender. Okay. So basically, I was with an individual guy who lent me money at 12% interest plus the 10% fee. Twenty two. But the money was only at 12% at the time. Yeah. So, and then when the building was done, I got a mick to pay him out, so it only dropped to se- so it dropped to seven percent interest. Well, I tried to go through CMHC. Oh, okay, okay. So that, so that was the plan. I dropped it from twelve to seven because CMHC takes a while to get.
0: So seven only, well, or seven was extra fees, or the total was seven
1: percent. Two, two percent fee at the time. Not two bad. So
0: fee. from twenty-two to nine percent is great,
1: great deal for you. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So this is where I learned a lot about CMHC. And what I see from time and time again from clients, by the letter of the law, CMHC is a great program. Uh, but when you are doing aggressive birds like this, it can be very, very difficult to get the loan to value hmm. that you want. So, for example, even though my income supported it, uh, CMHC was only willing to offer me a $2 million mortgage at the time. Because of the appraisal? Uh, not because of the appraisal, because of what they said was the income and expenses.
0: Okay, so, so they look on the market value of the rent on their beh- on their calculation, not yours, not the actual market rent.
1: Because and because I didn't have a three-year rent roll at new market rents, oh. they were they were saying I was getting two thousand between eighteen fifty and twenty fifty a month. CMHC was using like fourteen to sixteen hundred as my rents
0: oh since the cap rate is dropped then you cannot finance more than this okay
1: you can finance so the cmhc after and this was at the time where cmhc was very very slow like this was this was in the beginning of uh,
0: uh around 2020
1: covid yeah it was 2020 it was right ah, around covid okay no one is and answering anyone clear. correct that's right so uh it took forever uh then we had a uh credit union come in and they, uh, we basically declined CMHC because at $2 it just didn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, you're going um, to lose money.
1: We're going to lose money. No, we're not going to lose money. We just would have had to carry such a large second mm. that it wasn't profitable.
0: So for people so, like hearing about CMHC uh, loan, it's just because of the residential and commercial differences. If you can elaborate a little bit the, the differences and the benefit on CMHC loan on the commercial side because everyone yeah. when he hears CMHC he say okay it's a uh, like it's a insured mortgage no it's different on on commercializing
1: yeah so so let's let's talk about what, what CMHC is in residential for a second yeah CMHC is default insurance that the that the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation CMHC requires you to have if you're putting less than 20% down So if you're buying a house with 5, 10, or 15% down, you are are required to have this insurance.
0: Which is insured mortgage.
1: It insures the mortgage for the lender to make sure if you default, the lender gets their money back. Correct. So the idea of this is to protect the Canadian housing market. Our banks are safe. We have this insurance premium. So... CMHC is a a requirement, and when it comes to the residential side, some people are like, well, I don't want to buy a house. I want to save for for 20%. I would argue that's probably not a good idea. Put the less money down, get into the house now, and the CMHC premium doesn't actually come out of your pocket. It gets tacked onto the mortgage. Correct.
0: Especially if you want to go with more leverage to take more money from the bank.
1: More leverage. That's exactly right. So that's, that's CMHC for the residential side. Less than 20%, you have to have it. On the commercial side, CMHC is an option. It's not required. Correct. However, by having what's called a CMHC certificate of insurance, that means you can get longer amortizations, uh, lower interest rates, and potentially higher loan to value. So, from a usually from a 85%. Investor, they can do up to 85. They have some new construction products that are like 95%. It's pretty crazy. Oh. Um, I don't I, I, I don't have a lot of experience in those products, but they, they, they do exist. True. So the, the CMHC program on the commercial side was really what everybody wanted. Even though it wasn't required, if you could get CMHC, when you looked at what you got, 85% loan to value, 40 year amp, the lowest of low interest rates, fixed for five years, and i'm a big variable guy on the residential side but if you can get a good commercial fixed rate that's probably not a bad idea hmm. um so this it was really the, the the gold standard of product but increasingly more often i am finding investors not getting the terms that they are expecting after months of providing paperwork and detail to cmhc their certificate is coming in much lower which is not giving clients the loan-to-value they're they looking for. So uh, my, my, my simple advice to investors is look at CMHC. Like don't, don't rule out CMHC. Paying the premium is worth it if you can get the terms you want. But make sure that you are looking at other factors like loan-to-value because putting all this money down for CMHC doesn't make a lot of sense in a lot of cases. You're often better off using a credit union, using a bank, and getting a higher loan to value at a little bit higher rate. So that's the advice I'll give around the CMHC stuff. Definitely look at it, Hmm. but to to tie it back to that story there, um, we, we looked at CMHC, didn't, couldn't get it. Looked at a credit union, the best, they were same thing because we didn't have three year history. Hmm. They were looking at like 2.3, 2.4 million. They still didn't, which was about 65% loan to value on our, our, on our appraisal. Um, which we were considering taking um, until uh, I I mentioned to a realtor that it has a pretty good exclusive list. Uh, I said, why don't you shop this exclusively for me? See what you can get. Um, and we got an offer for $4 million. Uh, no fuss, no muss. It was a 20 day clo- condition, two month closing, qualified buyers. And we made the decision to sell the property. Hey, uh, yeah. So uh, based on that, we were able to net a $1.2 million profit uh, in just over two years into the deal, uh, using none of our own money, uh, all private financing, and pull our cash out and move it into, uh, into new, new, better performing projects.
0: 100%. So the previous plan was buy and hold and refinance, but because of the refinance and the higher fee, you decided to let go and sell the property.
1: It, just to be clear, it's I didn't the refinance, I didn't let go because it was a higher fee. It's because I didn't get the loan to value that I wanted. Okay. I had too much money left in the deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I couldn't get the loan to value, which is why I decided to, to walk away. And just so it said, Adam, I still consider myself a buy and hold investor. I am a buy and hold investor. Hmm. But everything's for sale. <laughs> everything's Correct. for sale.
0: Correct. I, I,
1: <laughs> and I you use call, the money.
0: You use the money for the developed now. So you're using that's the right. Cash- the
1: money did buy, you know, doesn't buy clothes, trips, and and boats. You know, it goes into. I did buy a boat, but that's not with that money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 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 money gets reinvested into better performing projects, Correct. And things that I can force the value up on. So um, I have two other pr- pr- ten plexes on the go right now, mm-hmm. um, in Kitchener, and both deals. Uh, I would love and am absolutely intending on keeping them at the end of it. Um, but they will be shopped exclusively, and if somebody wants to pay me a, a, a ridiculous premium uh, to, to 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 sell it, then why not? Down, yeah. <laughs> then then why not? Yeah, so
0: correct, correct. So how many uh, properties under management now?
1: Uh,
0: or doors, whatever you like.
1: So my, my my my, it depends how you how you count count it. So it's about fifty. 50 doors in the long term hold. Hmm. 29 properties and then 230 new new pins. New 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 development. New, yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, was
0: so, so this was a private ca- uh, like a raising capital with GPLP like as a GPLP or what was uh, the deal with the 220 uh...
1: Yeah, so there're two separate structures. Uh the one is uh, just a simple corp uh, that's the hundred and sixteen units in Hamilton. Hmm. Um, so we have a work I have a working partner who's boots on the ground. Uh, we have a financial contributor. Uh, he so uh, boots on the ground gets thirty three percent. our fan financial contributor gets thirty three percent and I'm thirty three percent as well.
0: So so only uh, three entity. what's that? For me? Only three entity here. so' the working yeah,
1: three people, simple deal, simple corporation. We're, we assembled six parcels and we're uh, assembling it. Uh, we're, we're just resubmitted for site plan approval today. Uh, so uh, we have gone back and forth and we're very confident with our new submission that we're gonna get it. Um, and uh, so yeah, site plan, uh, that's 116 units, Simple Corp. Um, and one, one investor, uh, a client of mine who I've worked with for a lot of years. Uh, our other development is in Ancaster, which is a hundred unit subdivision. Okay. Uh, And that one is a GPLP structure. So I work, you know, I I have a pretty, I I have a pretty significant Rolodex over the years. So I've got about 10 people in that one, all accredited friends and family business associate, neither one of these deals I marketed at all. Like they weren't sent out to the public. These are private offerings in my exclusive network kind of thing. Okay. Uh, My advice to people is, you know, if you're getting into development and getting into this stuff, you need to be very careful of what you're doing. Uh, especially if you're going to market to the public and the securities, you need to make sure that you are in compliance and, and set up properly. Uh, I'm blessed to have a great Rolodex of people that I I don't need to market to the public for these. Uh, I can work in my, my private network to fund.
0: Just for the audiences. uh, I think Kyle is focusing on the laws for the security uh, security laws for accredited or qualified investors, uh, and yep. how to uh, present the deal uh, to uh, the qualified investor? Because if you don't have an actual relationship, you just cannot say he's my friend. He's giving me two hundred thousand, or he's making two hundred k per year. I'm gonna get get from him the money, and he's gonna be my partner. You have to have certain rule. Ro- you have certain relationship to able to present the deal. I'm hope that I'm I'm, I'm getting it right. Yeah, you
1: no, know, that, that's great, Adam. And- You know, for for years, the real estate industry was the wild, wild west. And I'm not saying I I wasn't involved in the craziness, but it it was crazy, the things that we're seeing. Those days are over. You need to get, and I don't know if I can say this on here, but I'm going to say it anyways. You need to get your shit together if you're raising money. Correct. You need to make sure you are compliant, you are professional, you're, you're doing things the way they need to be done. Uh, because the, the the securities commissions are watching, and you need to make sure that you're you're on the up and up, and you're doing things the right way. Hire a lawyer, have your stuff reviewed, maybe pay a nine hundred dollar an hour securities lawyer to look at your stuff and make sure you're in compliance. Because it is not worth uh, not worth not being
0: compliant. So who's your security security lawyer now?
1: So I, I work with the. I, I don't know if I should be saying it on, on here. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to publicly. Advertise him, but I work with a major firm, yeah. uh, security lawyer there. Okay. If somebody is ever looking to reach out and talk about things or talk about development, I'm always happy to have a call and I would share that name individually. I just don't know if I should be publicly 100%. saying percent, you know,
0: so. 100%, 100%. Okay, so my next question will be um, You mentioned that uh, your starting point was after the seminar. So do you have an influential men- mentor so far? Are you like, like dealing with any mentors now, uh, you like to follow up with, or not anymore.
1: So, do I like the what
0: to follow up with mentor? Do you have a mentor so far in your career? Yeah, uh, yeah
1: so I I personally do have a, a an individual mentor. Um, it's not somebody that is hired or anything. It's somebody that I built a friendship with, and and he and it's we're, we're just friends now. And uh, I it's funny. I think I think I actually. Help him out a little bit now too. I think it's he. I, I give him credit for everything that I have, but I think he would admit that even in my, uh, as his mentee, um, I'm not, I'm now adding some value to him and showing him some different ways of thinking and ideas. So I, I absolutely do have somebody. Uh, in terms of you know, for your for our listeners here today and and, and everyone out there, there's so many great ones out there, um, and there, there there's many great programs. I would say if you're investing in Canada, uh, especially as a newbie, find a Canadian mentor. Hmm. I don't think you need, uh, I don't think you want a U.S. one to start, but once you get to a certain point, it doesn't matter where they're from. Uh, the, the The theories and principles are the same, um, but in the very beginning, if you want to invest in Canada, you should probably get a Canadian one. If you want to invest in the U.S., you should probably get a U.S. one. Um, but there's so many great programs interview them don't just don't let them just sell you on the program interview them ask them questions am i working with you or am i working with your team it's okay if you're working with somebody's team but you should know that up front okay if i'm working with your team can i meet them can i meet the person that i'm going to work with so mm-hmm. i know who i'm i'm talking with on an annual on, on a basis good one just because so just many of them time.
0: as you said yeah is he telling you that you yeah, I'm gonna be your coach, but eventually you're dealing with his assistant or his host team members like good point really. yeah,
1: yeah So, so I, and it's okay if you're dealing with the team like sometimes that's better. if your mentor is really really busy and they have a good right hand person that can help you, maybe that's even better. but just know up front. and just because a mentor was good for you or good for Adam or good for Kyle or, or good for somebody else, doesn't mean they're going to be good for you 100%. so make sure uh, interview a couple talk to a couple join the Facebook groups get involved with multiple things and find someone who aligns with you you need a mentor to show you the next level but you also need a group in the same position that you're in today hmm. and what that means is you need if you're buying your first sixplex uh, and your mentor has a hundred <laughs> units, that's great. You need that mentor to show you where to go and, and and hold the map up and take you there. But you also need a couple of buddies that are also buying their first sixplexes too. So you guys can scrape your knees together, yeah. but your mentor can show you where to go. 100%. So your, your, your mentor is your guide, but you also, talk, if you have a buddy who just bought his sixplex too, he's the one who's still sourcing, you know, trying to find a better deal on trades and construction and trying to find a new software to help. You know, manage the property, and you know, have some people that are in the trenches with you, and somebody who's showing you the way.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, for for raising capital, maybe a couple of action items for the audiences when you started to raise capital, because on this business, the core thing is to, for, and in my, my opinion, is to raise capital and networking. So, what was the uh, difficulties you you you, you faced? To, to, to start to raise capital?
1: So I I don't know if I ever specifically was raising capital. Really? I was attracting money. Okay. So I wasn't actively seeking and chasing and trying to find capital in a traditional sense. I was showing people what I was doing, how I was doing it. And in the beginning, so the first couple of deals I did with friends and family, but okay. it with parents, brothers, sisters, uh, they could get a mortgage. We bought a triplex together. I did the work, we bought it. So I, I suppose I raised capital from, you know, from my family to partner on those deals, but I wasn't asking them for money. I was showing them an opportunity. I said, I have the ability to manage this property to, to make it cash flow, and to and it's going and this is how I think it's gonna grow in the next five years. But the, I I'm looking if you can put in the money, I can make all this happen. Hmm. So I wasn't asking them for money; I was showing them an opportunity for us to earn together.
0: An actual partnership. So You're not as an
1: actual, yeah. yeah, an actual partnership. So from there, I, I did several of those, and what, I got a call right when I became. So I didn't use a lot of private money until 2017. It was all JVs. Hmm. So I was JVing everything. Uh, and then I got a call from my lawyer who had closed. Just,
0: just, just for this part, when you're saying JV, you do the work. Someone is qualifying for the mortgage and brings the fund.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I was predominant in all of those JVs. Every single one was with family. Hmm. And I, and just so it said, I did not come from a wealthy family. I had uh, my mom and my dad were both separated. Hmm. They both had an average Canadian house and an average Canadian job. We remortgaged their houses to pull out the equity hmm. to buy rental properties. Like th- this wasn't like, you know, I, we had a silver spoon, money kicking around everywhere. Um, I'm the youngest of five siblings. Okay. Um, my, my sister and brother were, were both five years older than me. They both had houses and jobs. So we remortgaged their houses, put down payments now. So that's how I did my first four or five deals. So, like I said, this was and and it wasn't like there was, you know, I was you know running seminars to raise money here. I was just finding deals and talking to the people close to me about an opportunity that we could do together.
0: So and this is a so you started to look for deals, close, uh, bring the deal under contract, and then look if you can close on it or not, correct.
1: Uh, yes, yes and no. Here's what I was doing. I was showing them the, at that point, there was triplexes all over Kitchener. Correct. So I was running the numbers and showing them like, look, these numbers work. Ah, you're, can, still, can,
0: you're, you're still focusing on the single family home. Um, uh, triplex. Yeah, triplex. These are yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I was showing them the numbers work on these. Yeah. And then what I said, if I go out and I find a deal, let's put it, Can can, can you put up the money and get the mortgage? Correct. I'll do everything else. Can you put up the money and get the mortgage? So then what we did is we basically, I went out and found the deal. They put in, we put the offer in with them right in the beginning. They bought the house and we partnered it. Correct. So there's not right or right. This this was specific. I was working with family. So it's maybe a little bit different than how the other dynamic of how other people would do it. Hmm. Most partners, I would say now you need to go out and get the deal under contract and then take it to partners to show it to them. Correct. I was maybe doing it a little bit different at the time. So uh, from there, what happened was uh, I might use the same lawyer to do all these deals. Um, and he was kind of, you know, excited about what I was doing. He was an older guy. And he's like this at the time I was 25, 26, or I guess 2017, I was 27. And I had about a dozen properties. So he, he, he thought that was pretty cool. And he said to me, when you're, when you're looking for some, some private money, some high interest money, to, uh, to do real estate, um, let me know, i will I'll, ha- I'll ha- happy to help. And my initial response was, no, I'm never gonna need that. I'm never gonna need that because I do burr. I burr all my, my properties and we pull our down payment out and we reuse the same money and we keep getting A-rate financing and we don't need private money. And he smiled and he said, okay, call me when you're ready. Hmm. And it was about six months later when we were ready. <laughs> Can, he, uh, can you he, please
0: give me more? Not, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So he, yeah. He, he basically, he saw it happening in the portfolio. And, it, yeah. and he saw it happening, not in a bad way, but he could see that I was, I, I didn't know I was about to get stuck, but he could see I was. Correct. So that's when he I got connected with him. Uh, and he started lending me private money. Uh, about two years later, hmm. uh, I got another call from him. And I wasn't brokering really private money. The first year of being a broker, I wasn't really brokering private money. It was just conventional deals. Uh, so about the start of year two, early January, twenty, I guess, what's that, 2019, uh, I get a call from my, my lawyer and he says, uh, so things are going really well with lending you money and uh, really happy with how that's going. Um, I want you to start telling, start telling people that you have private money. I want you to, do, to bring me more people. I got more money to lend. So I did I, you know I didn't know any better I just started telling everyone I know that hey I have access to private money if you need private money for your real estate deal, I can get it I can help The cyclist started and, yeah and, and yeah I'll tell you when you start telling people that you have private money your phone starts ringing 100 percent so yeah. so that's how I did that and then from there um, my clients were seeing that I was doing private money and they're like, hey, I want to lend private money. you're lending money at 10 or 12 percent. I have equity in my HELOC, I have equity here, I have, so I can start lending. And when you start consistently getting people 10 to 12% on first and second mortgages secured on real estate with a good track record of payback, your phone progressively starts ringing and aggressively going. And before you know it, you aren't raising capital, you're attracting money left, right and center. And people want to give you money to either Lend on a mortgage or invest in an equity deal or, or be, be a part of your business in your circle and around that. So um, that's that's my story. That's that's how I did it. I'm not saying it's going to work for everybody. Yeah. Um, but, but I have a question is, here. Is, yeah. You
0: mentioned that you dealt with two different private lendings, the regulated one and your lawyer, for example. Uh, so what was the deal was uh, actual uh, private lending money with the rules of the lender itself, because you're dealing with individuals here, not a regu- regulated one. You mentioned that on the first one was 22%, the second was nine. I think the nine one was a regulated one, correct?
1: So not, I don't want to use the term regulated. The term is institutionalized.
0: Uh, yeah, correct, MEC,
1: yeah, yeah so in- Institutional, but all private lending is
0: regular. 100%, so tell, yeah,
1: yeah. the difference between, so there's four tiers of lending. There's the A lenders and correct. credit unions, monoline lenders the a rates then there's b lenders so b lenders are still institutions and companies but they're not bound by the uh the the banking act so they can lend money differently so instead of three percent with a big red bank or a big green bank you're going to get five percent with a b lender Correct. So there's still a bank, but they're just not a Charter A regulated bank.
0: I think like Tangerine, Trust Home, and so on.
1: Well, Tangerine would still be an A lender. That oh, would still okay, be considered yeah. an A lender. Trust so uh, a B lender would be like Home Trust.
0: Yeah, Home Trust. Home, home trust. trust
1: would be a B lender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Equitable Bank, NPX. Uh, for uh, Some lenders have a B division as well. So that's mm-hmm. uh, Community Trust is another one on the B side. Yeah. Then from there, there's private money. But there's two tiers of private money. There's C lenders, which are called mix mortgage investment corporation, which means it's institutionalized. So they have a board of directors, they have trustees, they have lending guidelines, they have over overarching guidelines and things that they're way more flexible than A or B lenders. But they still have to, you know, fit in a box of some sort. Correct. What the final tier is is still regulated lending there's still rules you have to follow but it's individuals correct. it's bob it's mary it's adam it's kyle bob can do whatever the heck he wants with his money as long as it's within a general regulation if he says to you i don't want to lend you money but under those terms but i'll lend it to kyle that's okay that's not discriminatory that's not anything 100%. he's an individual lending his money correct so that's the difference, the difference between institutionalized private an individual private. Yeah. So an institutional is still a company with a with rule with rules and guidelines that they have to follow as an organization. A private guy, if he's got the money and he wants to lend it at 120% loan to value on something, and he's happy with the terms and the security, he's allowed to do that. You are you're allowed to do whatever you're allowed to do that.
0: So I think and your your best bet anyway, as a starting point, if you don't have a lot of uh, track of record like five, six properties, I think deal lend like this kind of lending is going to be your best bet because you're gonna need uh, for construction, you're gonna need for your actual closing. So I think yeah, as you said, uh, you need to to rely on all of this type of uh, funding, not only one type. And you mentioned that you, you you had this issue already with A and B lenders that you' you're in already on in a, you cannot move forward, you cannot scale, you need to move to another uh, avenue to find money to close the deals.
1: That's right, that's right. And here's what I say. everybody wants an A lender, of course we want an A lender. yeah, but what's more important is you're, is you do the best deal you can. And an example of my 10plex is I started with a D lender or a private lender, whatever you want to call it. Correct. I started there and I was trying to go to A, but I couldn't get to A right away. I thought I could still get there. So I went to C. So I moved up to reduce my cost.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was trying to go to a, and I was looking at B and I couldn't get the terms I wanted. So I sold the property. Correct. But it's not that I wasn't, I'm still a buy and hold investor. I didn't want to sell the property because I didn't like the property. I just couldn't get the financing terms that were suitable to me from a rate of return perspective. Correct. So my rate of return was no longer in line with my standards. Hmm. So, and I got an offer for the property that was, I believe, above market at the time. Correct. So I liquidated the asset, moved it to a better
0: performing vehicle. When you mentioned it was not up to your uh, standard, you mean cash, uh, like cash flow, or it's just you needed the money to use it for another, because I think it, it was a bear strategy. So you needed to liquidate the money anyway to, to move to another deal. So when you said this was not meeting your standard, it's only the cash flow or because you want to scale and you don't want to just leave your money stuck on this deal. So you can move on to another deal.
1: It wasn't meeting my standard from a return on equity perspective.
0: Okay, return on investment barrier. You mean?
1: No, yeah, return on equity, not in Uh, return on the equity uh, in the deal.
0: Okay, okay, yeah. Okay,
1: so here's what I mean by that. My first, my rate of return in two years was what? It was infinite. I didn't put any money in this deal, and I created one point two million dollars in equity.
0: Correct. 100%. So my
1: return on investment in year two, in the first two years, was infinite rate of return. Hundred percent. If you use the traditional cash flow return on investment calculation, based on what it looked like at a three point five million dollar value and a two point seven million dollar mortgage, the return was like twenty eight percent when you factor in principal recapture, three percent interest, and cash flow. Twenty eight percent is okay, That's but great. the return on do- but the return on development, new construction, and 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 a new burr, hmm. is like a hundred percent, two hundred percent. When you're creating money out of no money, your returns are in the hundreds, not in the twenty to thirty percent. Hundred percent. So it's not twenty eight percent is a great rate of return. Yeah. But if I could move that money into a development deal, which could now return me at. Hundreds, 200, 300%, because I'm creating new supply. I'm creating new equity. It, 28% is low compared
0: the, to 100% and super 100%? Compared
1: to 100%, yeah. right? And I'm not, 100%. there's going to be a time in my life. I, I'm 32. I just turned 32 in March. So there's going to be a time in my life where I'm going to slow down. And if I could sit there and get 28% on all my apartment buildings, I'm going to be a happy, happy man. But right now in my life, in my cycle, where I'm at, I got a co- I got a couple more years left in me that I want to I want to hit the home runs. I want to hit the 100, 100 200 infinite returns. So when I have a million dollars sitting there, returning at twenty eight percent, and it's really not liquid, I can't get, I can't refi it. The cash flow is minimal, and the appreciation is just staying in the building because I can't pull it out. Then it, it, the twenty eight percent of that return on equity is low.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. Just a final question: If you uh, can define what is your strengths and um, like your superpower, like you've Mm -hmm. been doing a lot on the last six, seven years, so what you can uh, say your strength so far?
1: Um, a lot of that is 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 around my mindset, Mm -hmm. and I have. I, I trust the numbers and I, 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 there, I have a handful of properties that maybe I am a little bit emotional. They're cottages, I don't wanna sell them. Um, but I, I, I trust my numbers, I, I, I trust my gut, I follow the numbers um, and I stick to my standards. So um, I, I don't do small deals anymore. I don't do deals that aren't you know seven figure profits. Um, I, I, I value my time. Um, I I have amazing people that work for me that support me and and do some of the day-to-day work and uh, I'm getting better at delegating. It's hard Uh, Anyone who does tells you that delegating everything is easy is lying Uh, It's hard as a business owner to move in that position and start handing your babies over to people Uh, but I'm getting better at that Um, but I I talk to many investors and and, you know experienced investors and, and less experienced investors and they say all the time when they're talking to me, you're just so, you just, the the answer to the question when you say it is just so obvious. Because I I, I cut through the bullshit. The return on equity of that 10 plex was low. Hmm. So I sold it. I'm well, aren't you a buy and hold investor? Yeah. But the return on equity was low. So you have to sell it. And and, and everybody wants to find a million reasons. Well, you, then you're a flipper. No, I'm not a flipper. I'm still buying hold. The the return on the equity for my buy and hold was too low, so I'm moving it into another buy and hold investment that has a higher yield. If the return on that becomes too low, then I move it into the next one. That still makes me a buy and hold investor. I I talked to a client. So I talked to uh, my team about this yesterday. I'm a firm believer that the HELOC is dying. The HELOC is a dying tool. You should be doing cash out refis. But without getting too far down that rabbit hole on this call, uh, one of the agents on my team goes, "Well, so when I like my HELOC because I can I renovate the property and then when I'm waiting for my next deal, I put it back on the HELOC and I'm not paying any interest on it. And then I use it for renovation. And then when the renovation's over and that property's sold, I put it back and I'm not paying any interest on it. And then so what you're saying, Kyle, means I have to pay interest on the money when I'm not using it." And I looked at him and I said, dead in the straight, dead in the face. I said, yes, absolutely. He goes, well, that doesn't make any sense. I, it's costing me money and interest. I said, you don't have a money and interest problem. You have a deal flow problem. You don't have enough deals that you have to put the money back on your HELOC Correct. in between deals. So you don't have a, a paying interest on a HELOC problem. You have a deal flow problem you don't have enough deals that you have to keep putting the money back, not out to work. And he looked at me, he's like, well, shit. <laughs> so the obvious that, reason, Yeah. It's obvious you have a deal for a problem. So let's not focus. and Grant Cardone talks about top line sales. Yeah. Let's not focus on the the, let's stop tripping over nickels and start making dollars. Now we need to watch our margins and watch our bottom line, making sure that our business is efficient and practical and all those things. But we're talking about saving a quarter point on interest here. To, to have money downtime between HELOCs, well, maybe we just need to increase our marketing to get our deal flow up to make sure that we have consistent deal flows so our money is always out for work and we can take advantage of a cash out refi, which is a better mortgage product than a HELOC. So, that, if you, if you ask my superpower, my strength, it's, it's around mindset. It's, it's cold to me. Numbers are the numbers, numbers don't lie, people do. And you, you just trust your numbers and go with the numbers. And if you're trying to find ways to save dollars in interest, you probably have an issue in your deal. You're not finding deals that support the high interest. I'll give you one more here. The There's a finite amount of money available at 2%. So there's only a, there's only so much money available through the banks at 2 or 3%. You can only get so much of that. It's really hard to qualify. There's infinite money available at
0: 13%.
1: 100%. If you're willing to pay 13%, you can get as much money as you need to do real estate. So stop trying to find deals that only work at 2 or 3% and start to find deals that only work at 13%. And you never need to worry about money. You never need to worry about deal flow. And you can consistently increase and grow and scale your portfolio.
0: Because your goal is not the grape. That your goal is to have a bigger share on the watermelon so what that's is right. the benefit of having a male, um, a grape and a stock yeah 100 uh, percent. that's right that's right biggest mistake
1: um not buying enough uh, five years ago uh <laughs> some of the deals that i walked away over twenty thousand dollars uh are worth like half a million dollars more now um you're right so but at the time i was So I'll call it, that's not a mistake because what I did is I trusted my numbers at the time and I didn't overpay at the time. Hmm. So in the grand scheme of things, should I have bought more? Yeah, probably, but it is what it is. Um, Another pretty big mistake is I I gave up too much equity on deals. I I shouldn't have done so many JVs. I should have did more private lending and kept the equity. Um, Hmm. I I won't call that a, you know, a massive mistake, but in hindsight, it's cost a lot of money. I, you know, I don't live in the past; I don't have regrets. But uh, there's some deals that I should have just done on my own with private money, and not. I was being cheap. I wanted a cheap mortgage, so I took a partner for fifty percent equity to get a cheap mortgage. Hmm. But I should have just done the deal on my own at thirteen percent and kept one hundred percent of the equity. I would have netted out way farther ahead.
0: But eventually, so, uh, you said in some in some cases, if you not, don't have enough portfolio to support the second position, uh, you're gonna need someone to support you yeah. uh, on the beginning at least.
1: Yeah, so I, it, like i said, I'm, I'm not crying poor over it. Yeah, know, we, yeah. we did we, we did okay still. Yeah, um, but yeah, so that would be another uh, and you know most recently. Um, and I heard it was just the other day on like a Instagram reel or a TikTok or, or something silly. Um, and it's something that I, I, I took to heart and I'm really focusing on it right now is separating my life goals and my business goals. My business is my life. I, you know, I have sacrificed personal relationships. I have, you know, I sacrificed my own health at times. Um, you know into arguments with my wife over stresses of the business that i shouldn't have hmm. um and the money isn't everything it's kind of up there with oxygen but it's not everything um uh and making sure that i separate my business goals from my life goals um i have a two year almost two um i don't want to miss a single sporting event I want to pick them up and drop them off at school. Really I want to I want to play ball with them and hockey with them and golf with them and I want to be there for those moments and those life goals are super important to me. Uh, and my business will be fine and successful. I can stop now and not and never work again if I really want to. Um, but I still have business goals and business aspirations, but I can't sacrifice my life goals uh, anymore. To, to meet those business
0: goals i like this so. ending yeah um, you, ha- you have to have some sort of balance on your life but you have time anyway he's two years old correct
1: yeah he's two <laughs> years old i'm 32 we got time yeah here's i'll say that as well i'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth a little bit on that if you're serious about starting and you're serious and you're, you don't have anything and you're starting from scratch and you want and you have you want to be big you you, you two, two to four years, you need to, it needs to be all about your business. Hundred You have, you have to, you have to sacrifice to make it happen. Have but this commitment. Yeah. The commitment. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't take an hour out of every night and make sure you spend time with your little ones. Take your wife out on a nice date. Um, you know, take, you know, get up early and work, work out, go, go for a walk with your dog, do something to take care of your health. Um, so just, just little things that you, you got, you got to have some balance. So 100%. Uh,
0: my final question will be how our listener can follow your success.
1: Yeah. So uh, it's Kyle Ford mortgages on Instagram. So uh, Google uh, search me up there. Uh, info at kylefordmortgages.com is my email address. Uh, my admin, That's my admin's email address. She'll, uh, I'm, I'm happy to do 15 minutes with anybody uh, to talk to them and just get them started. Um, beyond that, if you're looking for help in the business, I, I have a mortgage team, um, so my, my, you you get me as well, but I'll have an agent on the team that's that's helping and uh, dealing with the day-to-day. We can help with private money, we can help with conventional mortgages, we can help with commercial, whatever you need. If you're a private lender and you're looking to lend money on real estate deals, we can help there. There's some qualifications and credentials you got to go through to, to be involved with us, but predominantly if you're an accredited investor, you're able to lend um and yeah from from there uh, uh i i got a youtube channel that i, I i'm like hoping to launch soon i don't have a name for it yet so maybe you can think of something for me adam or if any <laughs> listeners want to want to throw an idea out there 100%. i'm thinking yeah. i'm thinking money with kyle right now but uh i don't yeah. know if that's going to stick yeah. um yeah so uh, that that's me that's how you get a hold of me and I, like i said i'm willing to give anyone 15 minutes of my time to to connect and get them started and him a little bit of words of wisdom from there if you're looking for more help i'll have the team take care of you
0: thanks a lot thanks a lot for your time today and really happy to have you today and i hope that we can bring you again to the show
1: amazing thanks adam
0: thanks a lot